Whoops. Hey, welcome to Gig News tonight. With me, GigTube, Hannibal is Hungry, special guest co-host John Dash from Dash Theory TV. What's going on, man? Doing great. How y'all doing? Good. Pretty you know, good. Pretty good. Just about a year since I had John on my uh, interview podcast. Dang, time goes by fast. I think it is about a year, yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I changed the like avatar or whatever for you know my all my all my stuff back to the cartoon. It's basically it's me like this in this shirt with these the the blue headphones on and a big frothy beer mug. Yeah, I remember. I just I realized that. Why we did so? I think it's like this. That does look familiar. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think there wasn't as much of a goatee, but yeah. oh yeah, 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 yeah. I have to shave this off, but this is a. Hmm. I don't know if you guys like. Every time I show Hannibal my beer, I always blow. This is a a saison from Boulevard. They're out of Kansas City. Um. Yeah. This this is a really good beer. Highly recommend it. What kind of beer? Anyway, uh, Amber Pilsner, something like that. Uh, it's a saison. It's um. It's a Belgian style, so it's yeah. it's kind of like a, a Belgian uh, wheat beer, and um, it's got like I don't know if they add spices in it or if it's just from the um, the yeast that they use, but it has like you know kind of a c- citrusy, peppery kind of flavor to it. I really these are good summer beers, but it's also strong. Yeah, it's like seven percent though. I think eight point five. It's gonna be a fun show then. <laughs> I always tell him, you know, take it easy. He should be fine, though. Today was my first day working in a week. I took, well, because I usually take Tuesday and Wednesday off. And then, so Thursday, last Thursday, I was actually on my way to my first job and a freaking tire in my car, like, pretty much exploded. I didn't hit anything. I checked the dash cam footage. So I'm on my way to Walmart <laughs> to do spark delivery. And there's a discount tire company right next door to it. So I pull into there and, you know, since I'm at the tire store and like, I was looking at my tires, I'm like, I'm trying to remember when's the last time I got new tires and like my tires are like freaking bald. So I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? Just give me four brand new tires. They didn't even have to sell me on it. You know, you know how like, whenever you go to like a tire store or auto, they would try to upgrade you. Like they didn't have to even. This kind of pretty good about that. I got to yeah. give it to them. They get that for the yeah. free rotations and even if you get a hold of it, they patch it for you. They yep. take care of you. Yeah, so I spent like 500 bucks on four new tires. So, and you know, I noticed that my car rides like smoother and quieter immediately. You definitely notice when you get new tires. Yeah, I got yeah. new tires this December, January, sometime around then. Immediate difference. You notice it immediately. Yeah. And uh, I didn't work Friday because I had to go to the VA. And that takes all day. And then. Saturday, I think I had food poisoning, and then Sunday I was like, "Well, I haven't worked all week. Why bother working now?" <laughs> so that was my week. Anybody got any tall tales or? Uh, from, uh, it's funny. I didn't. I didn't tell you, Chad. Um, basically, last week I had been dealing with COVID. So, oh, really? Yeah, uh, the wife, the mother, my son. So. I just kind of just chill in the house for the most part. Um, I did apply for Amazon Flex, which is hilarious. Because <laughs> we talk about Amazon Flex all the time. Never bothered to see. Because I I think I've checked to see if it's available a couple of times and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But uh, wait, two days ago, I finally got that stuff taken care of. So 
Are I'll you on with the platform? Not, yeah, applied to the platform. Yeah. Okay. They haven't gotten. They haven't given you a yes or no yet. No, it's it was maybe a day or two. They said it takes oh, okay. to do background checks and all that stuff. That, that's really curious to see. Yeah. I wonder how that would work in a big city compared to like out here. Because I was doing Amazon Flex all day, and I was out in Daytona Beach and just out in the country. Saw some horses, chickens, uh, donkeys. <laughs> nice. Now, just, a question for you about Amazon Flex. Do you know where you're driving before you pick up the packages, or is it not until after you pick them up? Nope, that's the gamble with Amazon Flex. Like I don't mm. I don't bet on sports or anything like that, but with with Amazon Flex, that's that's as close as I get to gambling because sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. Cause like especially what I really like is the four hour shifts. If you and the longer you wait to actually schedule them, I mean it's like it's like um like DoorDash where like they have a peak boost or like with Instacart, if nobody takes the batch, they keep increasing the pay. Right. Amazon does the same thing. So it's like you're kind of like playing like a game of chicken with all the other flex drivers in your area, all watching your phone. Cause you keep hitting refresh and you'll see that payout. It'll increment up usually like about two bucks. And um, it just kind of depends. Usually Saturdays and Sundays, it'll go way up because nobody wants to work on the weekends. That's Makes why. Sense. Yeah. I take Tuesdays and Wednesdays off now. So I'd rather work Saturday and Sundays because those Amazon flex routes, they can pay. Like I saw one last night. I think it was, um, 150 bucks for three hours that's that's 50 dollars an hour and it almost yeah and it almost never takes the full if it's three hours it usually takes two two and a half if it's four it's like three but the also thing is where i live i don't live anywhere close to a warehouse so like all the warehouses are about a 40 to an hour drive from me plus coming back so see that's what um, i'm concerned about here i know where there's an amazon warehouse but it's like like you said 40 minutes to an hour drive away. Yeah. You just don't know where your route is until you get to your rack and you scan in and like, and you'll see, it'll show you a picture. Actually bring it up right now. I was going to ask you, so is there, is there ever scenarios where you go to pick up your route at that warehouse, say an hour away, mm-hmm. and then it sends you on a route going another hour away. So you have to go two hours back home. Um. Yeah, like, I don't know if you guys can see this. So, like, this is the route I just did. This is a three-hour route, but it only took me two hours. Um, So, like, you can see, you know, it says 22 stops, 22 packages. Actually, I did two routes today. Yeah, get down. And then here's the other one I did this afternoon. This was was another three-hour route. And, again, it only took two hours. So, you can see all the houses are fairly close to each other. The problem is, like, it was... From the warehouse to the first stop was like 20, 30 minutes, something like that. Yeah, I drove, I drove over two hundred miles today. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, that's uh, that, okay. That's my concern. And, uh, but I, I made about this. I made about a dollar per mile because I was able to do some Walmart Spark in between the blocks. So you know, I drove like I made two hundred bucks, and I drove about two hundred miles. I mean, yeah, oh, gas oh, is yeah. going up, but. I, I like doing those Amazon oh, flex yeah. routes. They're just really easy. It's like you don't have to, you just, all, like with DoorDash, Instacart, all that stuff. It's like you're constantly watching your phone trying to get the next thing. But with Amazon, it's like you're just you're just blocking off, no pun intended, just blocking off that entire two three hours at a time, and just show up, get your packages, and then like, you don't have to. Like it's really, I think it's it's pretty low stress, you know. 
Yeah, yeah I like but, I like those apps that do that. That kind of schedule your time. Definitely feels yeah. like a little bit more stress. It feels like you have more of a plan at your day versus just you know kind of gambling, yeah. just seeing what comes at you. Yep, gives you that, that high floor. Well, I I guess we could uh, get started with the show unless anybody's got something they want to bring up or whatever. No, no, I think I'm gonna go look into Amazon Flex and some Walmart Spark in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and then yeah. sign on for Spark. There are like two uh, Walmarts that are the opposite, you know, 20, 15 mm-hmm. miles away. Hoping maybe there's some closer Walmarts now. So, gonna go check it yeah. out. Yeah, you know, more it, and more good things about them. Walmart Spark has like their own kind of version of Amazon Flex where it's the dot com orders. I've done those and before through. So um, you, yeah, you'll get like a route where it's like anywhere from like eight to 12 stops. And it, I mean, it could be like, 20 30 miles but it'll have like these really high payouts of like anywhere from like 30 to 50 dollars or more and it's like again like that's it's really easy and it's usually small stuff too just you know those little white uh a little plastic trinkets, bags. Yeah, a little, yeah a little yeah. envelope yeah yeah problem is you don't get tips on those routes but that's why you gotta make sure alone. that base is worth it yeah yeah by the way eric uh parrich is in the uh, chat. Eric Parrish. I don't know why I'm thinking EPMD, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's very close. <laughs> wow. I haven't thought about them in a long time. Yeah, um, right. That that random access memory right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got a lot of uh, financial news. We got a lot of Amazon news this week, but we're going to start with DoorDash. I was really surprised nobody was really, was really talking about this. Um, so for MarketWatch.com, I think this is the only company that or source that covered this but anyway doordash approves 400 million stock buyback doordash has authorized a buyback of the 400 million of its shares according to regulatory filing doordash said it's filing that's making the move in an effort to offset dilution from its employee stock compensation program it has seen its stock decline steadily since late last year doordash shares that close at record lows recently are down 55 percent year to date DoorDash is growing but still posting net losses, though during its latest earnings call in early May, CEO Tony Hsu said $4 billion in cash flow gives the company a lot of flexibility. He hinted he wasn't keen on growing by acquisition. Tom White, analyst for DA Davidson, said Thursday that a buyback is generally a bullish sign around that cash flow outlook for the business and the company's view on the business. Now, this is kind of a two, so I'm just going to show this story too. DoorDash director sells just under $1 million in stock. Uh, yeah, so DoorDash director Stanley J. Marsman sold 15,000 shares of the firm stock in a transaction dated Wednesday the 18th. Shares were sold at an average price of $66.53 for a total transaction of just under a million dollars. Following the transaction, the director now owns 48,846 shares of the company's stock, valued at approximately $3.25 million. So um, not much to say other than that, but um, I don't know if you guys are – I mean, I I am not you know freaking Jim Cramer when it comes to stocks and investing and all that stuff, but um, I found I found this really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, as sorry to sound like a broken record, but I mean, all all the tech stocks have been going down. DoorDash, DoorDash is probably I don't know. Well, I was gonna say DoorDash is probably the most disappointing, but you know Uber and Lyft. Last time I checked, like Uber was like twenty three bucks and Lyft was like seventeen or eighteen. So. But I think um, kind of looking at this story that was interesting to me is the kind of the cause and effect. So mm-hmm. they bought back stock because if I read that right, their employees yeah. had been getting a lot of stock. So the employees that get a lot of the stock, 
and it's become worthless because it's been losing value all the time. <laughs> so they buy it back to like you know increase the stock price, and then what happens? A director sells a bunch. Yeah. After they've increased the stock price, <laughs> see the cause and effect. Kind of see that chain going on. Like that yeah. guy was going to sell it when it was you know worth. I know. It. I wonder. So they bought it back so we could sell it. Basically. I I mean I would assume that this is on the up and up, and it's but is it like ethical or is it you know is it the any I think it's not a line of ethical nerds he, out there. Obviously, he knew they were going to do the buyback, and the buyback was going to increase the price, and he sells it. Like those those articles came out like right back to back. So. Hmm. What do you think, Hannibal? I think it's on the line there. I'm just thinking. I'm trying to think about more than what I guess what the article is saying. So, Tony Shu says that you know the cash flow is four billion dollars. It will give the company a lot of flexibility. I think it's more sustainability than flexibility. I don't know what they can do in, um, in terms of why every, all of these tech stocks are just getting destroyed. Um, the only thing that I found really interesting, he hinted that he wasn't keen on growing by acquisition. I'm wondering if that is actually true. Um, common sense would, would kind of tell me that it's true. They're not going to buy Grubhub. <laughs> or, no, or Lyft. That's what I thought he basically was saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, we're not going to buy those companies. So that, that's the one thing that I can see, which is probably even a good idea. I mean, I, I know, I know, uh, Gig two, I know you probably have some DoorDash stock sitting there. Um, John, do you have any DoorDash stock? I do. It's okay. yeah, that's why I know it's gotten worthless. And I've taken, so, I've taken so a loss. Let me ask you to a question. You guys hold holding some DoorDash stock. What what are you guys gonna do? You guys keeping? You holding? Selling? What are you guys gonna do? Yeah, I'm in for the long haul. Same here. <laughs> I, I'm in right now. At this point, give me at least another year. Penny in for the pound. Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing. It's because what, I don't think that DoorDash is necessarily gonna get better in the short run at all i think it's probably okay. gonna take two three three to five years maybe okay so you, yeah. you're holding for the long term right yep by the way i just checked the not buying anymore though i'll tell you that <laughs> stock <price. laughs> well you know it's a good time to buy because it's cheap it's like Technically, it's on you would have to think that they're going to turn it around do we think yeah. that the price will go back up doordash is 67.81 Uber is twenty three seventy eight. Lyft's twenty twenty one. Wendy's is sixteen sixty six. I think it'll right. go back up. Another quick run. Another quick question before we move on. Even Amazon's down twenty one hundred. It used to be like thirty five hundred. What stock you think would be more valuable, or at least the idea that it would increase in time? Uber or DoorDash? Uber. Like so, Uber is pretty low right now, right? <laughs> like if I bought a bunch of Uber right now, would that be a better idea than buying a bunch of DoorDash stock? Currently, um, so I think Uber, and I'll tell you why. Uber is already kind of flowing with that profitability. Uber has, I think, more streams of revenue. They got Uber Eats, they got Uber Rideshare. You know, they're 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 kicking ass with the excuse me the language, but they're making <laughs> that money on top of it because you know we're paying a bunch of drivers are getting it, so somebody's getting it. Mm -hmm. So they're they're pocketing that money. I would I say that's probably the long run right now. I okay. mean. You could definitely get more for your money if you buy Uber just because it's cheaper. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like for the cost of one DoorDash stock, you get about three Ubers. I mean, Uber doesn't um, have to go up by as many dollars to have that better return on investment. Uber goes up by $10, it's basically 50% on your money already. If we really want to speculate, a good thing to speculate would be remember back in 2008 when the government bailed out 
um, the automakers because they're mm-hmm. too big to fail. Right. What if like Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, all these companies, like if, I mean, I, if they ask for a government bailout, I think they would get it. But mm. I mean, well, it kind of depends on who's in, who's in charge at the time, but um, are these companies too big to fail? I mean, I think Uber is too big to fail because they're global, whereas Lyft is just American. I think maybe they're in Canada too, but you know, Instacart is only in the United States and in Canada. Um, DoorDash is mostly United States. I think they're in Australia. Um, they're definitely, they're definitely trying to be global. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I actually of those three, I think DoorDash would be the most to it. Like, like I said, it's too big to, or, or sorry, Uber is too big to fail because they're global. But gotcha. um, DoorDash and Lyft, uh, I think, are are pretty vulnerable. I mean, I think all these the giga companies are really vulnerable right now. This would be next time you're on with uh, Steve Johnson's rideshare rodeo. He'd he'd be better to ask about this than me. So, so. the other thing I'll kind of throw out there that I think yeah. is interesting: Uber with their like their Uber. So all these gig companies, whether well specifically, let's talk about Uber and DoorDash. They're kind of look using the Amazon Prime model, expecting to make a lot of profit with these subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Now you look at the DoorDash Dash Pass versus the Uber One. The Uber One has more benefits because, hey, if I'm going to take a ride share, I want to get that cheaper. These yeah. you know, Uber surges. They took longer to, to get it. It's, Uber it's take more off of that. DoorDash beat them to the punch by like two or three years. Uber took forever to get their membership out. I mean, Uber has now they have the corner shop, so they have more. They got you get more for yeah. your money with that Uber One, basically. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think Uber needs a new CEO, though. Uh, speaking of which, let's move on. It's funny because I just had a perfect segue on the last one. So we were talking about Uber, Lyft, Steve Johnson, and then this is out of Denver where Steve is, and uh, Ron, uh, Entree Courier, and Van, the DoorDash man, he's in Denver now. So Polis, that's the uh, uh, Colorado governor, signs boost bill boosting insurance requirements for Uber and Lyft. Colorado now mandates some of the strongest insurance requirements for rideshare drivers. So I'm just going to read the highlights. Uh, TNC companies such as Uber and Lyft will be required to provide sif- significantly more insurance to their drivers under a bill signed into law by Governor Jared Polis in our warning that rate hikes will accompany the new mandate. The bill, which was the subject of a veto push from the TMCs, is set to take effect now in mid-August. HB 1089 requires that, sub- that subject companies provide uninsured and underinsured motorist insurance protection of at least $200,000 per passenger up to $400,000 per vehicle. Uber and Lyft drivers already have most uh, standard Insurance uh, policies, but then newly required insurance would cover passengers' medical costs of the vehicle were hit by an uninsured or under underinsured driver and will aid Uber and Lyft drivers if their cars are wrecked. Company officials argue that it's rare for medical bills to exceed $50,000 and that a level of coverage beyond that, combined with the $0.35 cent per fee placed on the TNCs by last year's $5.3 billion transportation funding bill, will lead to fare hikes between 6 and 10%. I'm surprised that's it. Representatives from both companies noted repeatedly that the bill singles out their sector among all delivery companies, not applying any similar insurance mandate to cabs or limousines. They noted, too, that even the pared-down mandate puts Colorado in the highest tier of states when it comes to insurance requirements on TNC drivers. Um, something that uh, I didn't cover on this, but um, there was a, a news story of a, a passenger. I think he, I can't remember if it was Lyft or Uber passenger, but he was just the passenger. He wasn't even the driver, and they got sideswiped by somebody and uber or lyft like would only pay like up to i think it was like fifty thousand dollars this this dude had like two hundred thousand dollars 
and medical bills. So his lawyer mm. basically just like that one case, I'm surprised they didn't call this Fred's law or something like that. You know, whoever, uh, I mean, I feel bad for the guy. He was just an innocent Uber or Lyft passenger gets into a wreck. Wasn't even the fault of the Uber driver. And he's now he's on the hook for like <laughs> hundreds that's of thousands insane. of dollars in medical bills. So that's, that's terrible. Yeah. It's, it's sad, but what are you going to do? Uh, I'd be, if Steve's watching, uh, let us let let us know your reaction to this in the comments. But I mean, it's just one more. Actually, I'm kind of surprised it's coming out of Colorado. Usually, you'd think California would do this first, but it doesn't entirely surprise me. So, um, do you guys, Well, neither of you guys do rideshare driving, right? No, but you do use. Well, I know Hannibal. You use Uber as a rider once in a while, right? Yeah, every once in a while, you know, on the weekend when you're about to kick back and hit some, you know, get some shots, you don't want to be driving. <laughs> yes. So you want every vehicle to be insured as as much as possible in case something happens. So um, I, I'm interested in if Colorado is having a lot of this problem. Usually what happens when they push these types of bills, there's something happening on the ground where people are saying hey this is this needs to be changed so i'm wondering if that's what's happening i'm not sure how the crash uh i guess data from colorado and these other, the other places but um i understand the bill that understand that you need to be insured and yeah. you know like with that that individual you know hundreds of thousand dollars in medical bills it's it's something that uber should be taking care of someone should yeah, be taking care of it <laughs> whatever probably like, what should be probably a stupid question but Whenever you're in an Uber or Lyft as a rider, are you ever like worried about? Is it, like, does that you go to that worst case scenario in your head? Like, you know, what if we get into a wreck right now? Sometimes depends <laughs> on the quality. Of, it depends on who's driving. Um, some drive in in a hurry, which it may be nice. You'd be thinking, okay, I can get here as fast as possible. Sometimes they drive a little bit too recklessly, too impatient. I don't like that. Like, I I don't, I I'd rather me get there in one piece. Don't have to, you know. Put the pedals to the metal and try to get there as fast as possible. Especially, I'm in Brooklyn. It's just get me there safely. But it's you know the drivers who are very, very um, I'll say assertive is probably the best word. Do you do you know what the insurance requirements are for yellow cab in New York? Probably the full thing. You think like yellow cab probably has better insurance than Uber and Lyft? Do you think or I would I would I would assume so. Um, it's interesting. I don't think you put this story out, but they are already trying to in New York City trying to raise the rate for the yellow cabs and the green or whatever color it is to oh. be at least twenty five dollars an hour without after expenses. Wow! So they're trying to make it even more expensive. So I'm assuming because insurance here, yeah. They're paying. I mean, I'm paying out though. <laughs> I don't want to curse, but I'm paying a lot of money in insurance because I'm in a high um, accident prone area. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to one of our many Amazon stories. I thought this was really interesting. I saw this picked up on a lot of news sites. Mm -hmm. So this is from payments.com. Could Amazon flex drivers be the shopping mall saviors? All right, so Amazon is testing a new program that will leverage its flex driver network to bring deliveries to customers' doorsteps from malls in a few select locations, including Las Vegas, Virginia, and Texas. Per commentary from the company, an Amazon spokeswoman said, a few existing Amazon sellers are participating in the program. In terms of mechanics, the flex driver picks up the orders from the mall-centered retail outlets and delivers them to the consumer's home. 
program is in its nascent stages and remains to be seen if it will be expanded onto a bigger stage. Amazon already been broadening its third-party offerings with Prime, in this case with Flex. The company has a firm toehold in the gig economy. Delivery is, if anything, flexible, no pun intended, continuing to monetize its last-mile infrastructure and staff would be a, a strategic advantage for Amazon. As noted by Karen Webster in a recent column, 57% of merchants now allow consumers to use their stores as fulfillment centers because it is as good for the consumer who wants to buy now and get now. Bringing a same-day option quickens, in at least some sense, uh, Webster's ine inevitability that digital and physical will become one integrated experience as ecosystems emerge. Along the way, Amazon might help malls not just survive, but thrive. So this, it sounds interesting, especially, you know, for me as a flex driver, there are actually there aren't really that many malls around here, but I mean, for me, it would be great because a mall is way, way closer to me than the Amazon warehouse. So if I was able to get, you know, a two, three, four hour route and like if I had to go to the mall and just pick up packages at the mall instead of going to an Amazon warehouse, I mean, in the pay is more or less the same, then, you know, I'd be fine with it. It's just that, um, you know, I posted this in a bunch of Amazon Flex groups and everybody was like, oh, you know, you're going to get some 77 inch TV from Best Buy. It's like, well, you could already get that through. I mean, Best Buy's on with Rody, Instacart, DoorDash, you know, stuff like that. Um, but as far as their, well, not maybe not assumption, but their speculation that Amazon could save malls. Mm, yeah, I, don't think so. I, think that, I think that's a pretty lofty, you know. So I'm kind of thinking through this in like realistic scenarios. You know, when I think of a mall, Best Buy, I usually think of like clothing stores like a Macy's and some of those bigger staples. And mm -hmm. I've seen those orders on the DoorDash platform. Those orders are usually not that great. They're not high volume. So I, I wonder if there's really going to be enough orders and enough volume to create a block for people to keep going to these places. And of course, yeah. with a retailer like that, I think you're going to have less control over the different places it goes. So it might be a longer route. It's, it's, I, I feel like it's been tried before and I don't think it's been successful in the past, but that's just kind of my feelings about it. Yeah. It definitely wouldn't be a, um, bandaid to fix every mall across the America. Like there's malls that's going to close down. I miss the mall. I, I like the mall experience, but I'm old. I think this idea is, I like the, uh, the experience of driving into a mall, parking, walking around, looking at different stuff physically, going to the food court and getting you know some bad stores. Yeah. Yeah. So but, like the experience, no one wants that experience. I mean, they've shown it by not showing up. So can certain malls benefit from this? People um where there's a lot of the, like I said, John, like the staple stores where you can get a block possibly if you had the best buy with an HM and whatever that women go to buy clothes yeah. and like a few of those kind of just sprinkled around in the same mall it's possible but yeah but saving all in the mall i don't think yeah so. I, I would say yeah don't get your hopes up. well what i was gonna say is this is about this idea is about 10 years late if they had come up with yeah. this idea 10 years ago yeah. maybe yeah um I, maybe in big cities this will work but i mean because they're starting it and like they said vegas and um well, it just then it says Virginia and Texas. Well, those are states, not cities. But um, yeah, it's it's an all right. It's I'll, I'll give it a try. I'll, actually, you know these mall. I'd love to see you do a vlog on that or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know these mall blocks though. I think they'll be short. They'll probably be like one hour, one hour jobs. And actually, they might be good for people that do like Grub Dash Eats and Instacart because then you could just 
like it was really slow and you can pick up like a one hour mall delivery block which i would assume well if it, well, if it's one hour it's probably gonna pay depending on the city anywhere from like 18 to like 25 dollars. but again like i was saying at the beginning of the show with amazon flex the if you wait and let it build up it'll you know you can uh you know you might be able to make up to 30 40 bucks an hour nice anyway we're gonna take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with my shop house show sorry i just always think that's funny jesus <laughs> are you a doordash delivery driver would you like to be safer and less stressed while driving and earn more at the same time the driver's utility helper app allows you to do just that create custom filters and its automated system does the work for you automatically declining unwanted low-paying requests and accepting more profitable requests so you can focus on driving. Visit acceptordecline.com to get started today. All right, we're going to roll right into the next uh, two stories, which are really op-eds from Vice, and there's one from Slate, you know, the big progressive... Uh, you know, journalists slash op-ed um, sites. So Hannibal and I talked about this last week about how Grubhub was giving away free lunch on last Tuesday. And then on the Thursday show, we talked about how it, um, well, me and Steve and Joe, we talked about how it was a total flop and which we predicted was going to happen. So this Vice uh, story is, it's really an op-ed and it's quite long. So I'm just going to read the highlights here. It's just, uh, wait, let me get, who is the guy who wrote this? Edward Onwigzo Jr. Sorry if I'm not pronouncing your name correctly. So, all right. So the the, the point of this is, here here's his thesis. We spent years entertaining the delusion that food delivery companies can work. Why are we still pretending? I mean, there might be something to that, but I just want to read some of his uh, points here. Despite these examples in the chaos of the free lunch promotion, optimism abounds, such as in two analyses from Brookings Institute that suggested app-based food delivery companies could help address food insecurity. This is despite the unit economics of gig companies being fundamentally unworkable, requiring an explicit design to achieve profitability by achieving monopolies that will deter new competition but enable price hikes. Consumer subsidies, worker incentives, partnerships with cities, acquisitions, there are a multitude of ways Delivery, sorry, <laughs> delivery companies can try attracting the critical mass necessary to realize a monopoly. He keeps using the word monopoly, but he's not using it right. Insert the, uh, uh, what's the, the the Princess Bride uh, meme here. You keep saying that word, but I don't think it means what you think it means. Uh, and yeah, every single food delivery company has failed in an attempt to crush competition, resulting in them being forced to operate in a fundamentally unprofitable industry. And it's true. As they perpetually burn other people's money while promising a return as of some as of yet undetermined date this is how you get promotion like tuesdays where money is lit on fire as an attempt to gain an edge over competitors causing more chaos the incentives being be, uh, be, uh, the incentives behind such wasteful promotions are the same incentives that have shaped informed and driven the development of the food industry uh, for the past few years despite massive user growth during the first years of the pandemic food delivery companies have not only failed to cur curtail costs or retain new users but are now seeing their pandemic valuations crumble as investors start to look for actual returns. I mean, that's true. The stock price has been going way down. Uh, what if instead we started the assumption that food delivery shouldn't be privately run? See, this is where I'm like, <coughs> shouldn't be privately run. You mean you want to socialize grub dash eats? 
Uh, given how poorly that the experiment has gone for everyone involved, co-ops are an interesting alternative, but we could go further. We could nationalize yeah, the delivery services and try to operate them at scale. We could municipalize them and operate various services within locales. We could, as a society, pursue a multitude of possibilities, but only if we ask what a food delivery system designed by everyone except venture capitalists and private firms would look like. The technological change that has hastened food delivery has been developed to squeeze water from a rock. What if we repurpose the technology to achieve desirable social outcomes like food security without prioritizing the needs of investors seeking returns? What sort of food systems could we create then? Well, this guy, I mean, th like I said, this is a very long article. And, you know, so link in the show notes. Um, I, I just can't read the whole thing. I mean, like I said, it makes a good point in that we've all been saying, you know, these companies haven't been profitable, but also we are going into a recession. We've been living on super, super cheap um, liquidity for the last, basically since 9-11. You know, it's been like 20 years of super low, artificially low interest rates. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, this, whoever wrote this is insane to think like, you know, nationalizing delivery services and co-ops and stuff like that. And then, I mean, it's just, this, this is, you know, I got my, not, this, this, dude, this dude it's, needs to read this book. <laughs> It's just not, yeah, it's not realistic. It seems like very idealistic and not based in reality. They Like the beginning of the article makes sense. It's something that we all have been saying. They're, the, these investors are looking now for their money because everything is kind of going in the, you know, the wrong direction, right? Mm. But even the idea of what he's suggesting, I mean, come up with more of a plan than that. Well, we can just yeah. do, we can just naturally, how? Explain I mean, the reason why this is all being this done, uh, even with Grubhub doing that very desperate act of trying to get $15, was it, I think, for a free lunch. It yeah. was a desperate attempt to try to maintain some kind of foothold in the New York City area. But they haven't figured out the unheard of. And it definitely is not going to be nationalized. I think it's going to be either more local, but still mm -hmm. based in capitalistic principles free market principles we just have to find a company has to figure it out oh but i mean it or it can never be found figured out and we just let this slowly die but nationalizing it just seems a little silly yeah i agree with that i think the 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 big miss in the article is it talks about the problem but does it really make clear how nationalizing is the solution how it makes it more profitable I mean, unless you're talking about taxpayers paying the profit, that doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. Um, and I think the other point is that it's, 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 I've heard this quote before, you know, some of the scariest words of the English language are, we're from the government and we're here to help. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't see how that makes things better. Yeah, because yeah. they, they, they talk about food insecurity. And if we all agree, well, I think many of us agree that it's a luxury kind of service. Yeah. So if you're looking for food delivery to help and benefit people and who really need it, but not able to tip, um, that's a whole different segment. Yeah. That's not, I mean, you can't replace the entire system with that. Yeah. I'm sure I mean, you, you can, can get the, that, but you know what I mean? The, what they say, uh, um, sorry, I lost my place, but yeah, the food insecurity or whatever, it's more of like, um, not so much grub dash eats, more like Instacart and shipped of, you know, poor people like Instacart and ship. They take snap now. 
And Amazon so, Amazon has a discount too for um, lower income. Um, yeah, you can actually well. buy Whole Foods with Snap, but mm-hmm. I think the other piece of it that they're talking about is the the customers. But I also don't see how it's going to actually help the drivers, the people going to be delivering it, exactly. especially if you're delivering it um, to people who are food insecure or lower income. You're not going to be expecting that tip to be better. Someone has yeah. to pay. Exactly. <laughs> Someone has to come and fit the bill. And uh, we talked about this, um, not Hannibal and I, but me, Steve, and Joe, I think, a few weeks ago, on how there are, and, and well, I mean, Hannibal and I talked about this a few times last year, there are these startups, like local, uh, you know, the equivalent of uh, Grub Dash Eats, but they're just, like, in one city. Mm-hmm. So there are there is competition. You just have to, and, like, there's, like, you know, Bite Squad and Waiter, um, you know, like, small, small uh, regional uh, delivery apps, but I mean, like, um, the waiter, uh, the, you know, the share price on that is like 22 cents or something. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Um, let's move on. I got another twofer here. So this is a, I guess we could go in either order here. So this is from the wall street journal where it's more of news and there's a, a an order, uh, basically the same kind of take from slate, but this is an op-ed. So, I mean, let's, we'll, we'll read the Wall Street Journal first. I think this, this headline is pretty accurate. Your next Uber can be the bus. <laughs> and this is kind of, you know, what, what I've been saying. Um, the cost of rides, I mean, we, we've been saying this for months and months now, actually a year now. You know, Uber and Lyft rides, are, are the prices are going way up. So, um, again, just going to read the highlights, link to the whole article in the show notes. The economics of ride-hailing have changed. Platforms like Uber and Lyft for years grew through subsidizing the cost of rides to win market share from other forms of transportation, as well as from one another. Between 2016 and 2021, Uber burned an average of nearly $3 billion annually. And there's a a graphic here. Per mile price change from April 2019 to April 2020. And then it kind of goes by city. And uh, I thought it was really interesting. Atlanta was the most. New York is actually fairly modest 21.35 percent atlanta 59 percent john in phoenix you guys got one of the higher uh rate hikes here 43.8 percent and i see anyway. some people talking about there's good uh money driving lift out here just not for mm-hmm. me yeah mm-hmm. well i i doubt they raise the rates for the drivers but they've definitely raised the cost for the riders um anyway let me let me finish this so uh with investors now focused on pocketing cash rather than splashing it around, broad subsidies are no longer a winning strategy, and that discipline comes at a time of rising costs. Labor laws, competition, and a surge in vehicle and pump prices have meant rideshare drivers need to be paid more. Absolutely. The combination of those costs and investors' demand for profit and cash flow means post-pandemic ride-hailing may never be as affordable as it used to be. The pandemic may be winning, spurring more tourists and community demand but consumers are likely to consider cheaper options amid rising rates and prices for other goods and services. And pricing could get even richer. Facing a driver shortage, Lyft might need to compensate with higher rides, rider rates to, to compete. Meanwhile, if Uber continues to push for aggressive growth in food delivery and other non-core businesses, then someone has to shoulder that tab. Now, I'm just going to jump right into the, the Slate op-ed. The decade of cheap rides is over. How American life was changed by a subsidy Uber and Lyft can no longer afford. So they repeat a lot of what was in the uh, Wall Street Journal. So I'm just going to read a few highlights here. How Uber writes the ship is not for me. See, even said, like it's written from a first-person point of view. Uh, uh, not, how Uber writes the ship is not for me to figure out, but one obvious answer is that rides have been getting and will continue to get more expensive. Average Uber ride, 
Uber prices rose 92% between 2018 and 2021. According to data from Rakuten, a separate analysis reports an increase of 45% between 2019 and 2022. Both Uber and Lyft have added a surcharge for riders that helps drivers account for high gas prices. And all that was before last week's ultimatum. The cynical assumption was always that Uber was burning all that investor cash in order to corner the market. Once it killed off car service, taxi cartels, and its ride-hailing rivals, the company would stop charging riders less than it was paying drivers, and prices would have to go up. On Monday morning, an Uber from Manhattan to JFK Airport was $100, nearly double the fixed yellow cab rate. But good luck finding a yellow cab. The Uber taxi cab showdown is how most people conceive of Uber's market-swallowing impact. But the decade of cheap rides has more profound effects on how we live and get around. The failure of car sharing companies like Maven and Car2Go is one example of how all that subsidy distorted the market, quashed business models that might otherwise have thrived, and changed habits that might have otherwise endured. It did this for the good, reducing the size of parking lots, suppressing drunken driving, and for the bad, increasing car ownership and traffic congestion. And I think, yeah, okay, so that was, again... Links in the show notes if you want to read these whole things, which I actually do recommend, even though I disagree with them politically. Um, but they do make good points. Again, the decade of cheap rides is over because uh, you know interest rates are going up. There's not like all this free liquidity floating around. And I am actually I am trying to get a real professional economist on the uh, you know my my interview podcast who can kind of explain some of this stuff much better than me. You know I am not. You know, I know a little bit more about economics than the average person on the street, but I am, I, even though I used to call myself Chad the Economist, I would not call myself an economist per se. But so, um, do you guys, uh, what do you think? Like, I, I mean, it's hard to argue that, you know, it's hard to argue with these points. Yeah, that's always, that's always um, telling you. I was watching the news, local news, and the cab drivers are looking for more money. They are looking to get $25 per hour after expenses. So they, I think they're going to vote on, and I think there's the yellow caps, but they're going to vote for increasing, uh, you know, the, the, I guess the, the mileage rates or whatever for these caps. So it's going to happen. And some, some people, many, I think many customers are going to look at the, when they try to hail a cab or hail a Uber and see how, it's going to be too expensive and they're going to take the bus. They're going to go and have other alternative ways to travel because eventually our wages, right? Just from working different jobs, W2 jobs is not keeping up with inflation. So exactly. as much as they will increase the, 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 I say rightfully so. I think at this point, they, you know, these, these guys are out here, guys and girls are doing anything. They need to get paid properly. But at the same time, most of us don't have the extra cash to throw out there. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's going to drive everyone to go back to public transportation. Um, maybe it'll help, help kind of alleviate some of the issues that we have, but I think that's where it's going to go. Just how the economy is going. Yeah. What do you think? I, John? Agree, with that. I agree with that. I think people are going to go back to the old school ways of saving money. You know, the bus pass, you know, the cities that have it, the subway, other transportation, even, you know, the airport rides going back to the old school of, Hey, what are you doing next Friday? You got any plans? <laughs> yeah, I need to ride to the airport. You know, people that set up. Hey, what are you doing on the Tuesday after that? Between 7 p.m. I need to ride from the airport. <laughs> you know, those people would get get you know those conversations we get somebody to say, Yeah, I got nothing planned. Why? What's up? We're gonna go out. No, no, I need to ride. That's what it comes to. You need a ride. Oh, we're gonna split this, or you're gonna pay for the gas. Yeah, I'll get you a beer next time around. Yeah, I'll give you five dollars of gas money. 
give, you'll give me half a take. I mean, half a gallon. Uh, yeah, that's what it'll be soon. Be Uber pool was such a very popular thing here. Everyone loved it, and I'm sure, like how, like how they're making any money by by everyone's spending five dollars to get into a car to drive somewhere. Whatever, like the the, the rates were so low a couple of years ago. This couldn't keep up. Like this couldn't continue. Eventually, the, the bubble will have to burst, and I think that's what's happening yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, Steve was talking about this on, I can't remember if it was a YouTube or on his podcast or what, but he was saying there, and I, I put this in a poll that I did on my YouTube channel a few days ago. I said there might be a silver lining with like, you know, the gas prices going way up. Is that it's going to kind of shake out the market of like who's serious? Because, you know, in California, they're already getting their the machines ready for four digit gas prices, you know, $10 or higher uh, gallon per gas. I mean, it's like four fifty nine right here. So I was saying, you know, like uh, he was saying like Sergio, you know, Harry Campbell, uh, rideshare guy, one of his contributors, he said he's making bank out there because the gas in California is so expensive. Nobody wants to drive Uber or Lyft anymore. So it gets constantly surging and he's out there, you know, cleaning up is like, you know, he's a big fish in a well, as much as you can be a big fish in a small market in LA, but you know, the, the metaphor stands and I'm saying, you know, that, that could be a nationwide thing. You know, if the gas keeps going up all the weekend warriors, like they're going to realize like they're spending more on gas and they're making an actual profit, you know? So like they'll, yeah. they'll give up, which means, you know, I've, I've been saying for years, we need, we need to call the herd. There's way, way too many contractors so, you know, people like us that are that do it full time, if we're not competing with the part timers anymore, um, I mean, it would be great for us. I mean, but, you know, also having to pay six bucks a gallon really sucks. But if there's if you can make if I could realistically make two fifty three hundred dollars a day, but I still have to pay dollars a gallon like that might be a trade off I'd be willing to make. Yeah, I think the other thing that will probably change or, you know, this could just be theory. But people with the electric vehicles, as those continue to get cheaper, maybe not in the short term, but in the long term, people with the Priuses, I think those will have to become, you know, the, the big, uh, the most frequent drivers, the people that are able to actually afford these gas prices and get the most for their money. I mean, somebody with a Tesla, not necessarily would I expect them to be an Uber driver just because of, hey, you got to have enough money to get a Tesla in the first place. But maybe expect them to see more Priuses out on the road or people, you know, I don't know, buying them off the lots as much yeah. as they're gonna they're gonna be increasing in price, obviously. Um, we're gonna take another quick break and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Luis Berti, and I have a YouTube channel called Delivery TV, a channel where we talk everything that has to do with delivery in Spanish. We try to help the Hispanic community to earn more money and be more professional. Thank you. Yeah, so check out Luis at uh, Delivery oh, TV. Whoops. Why is there? Why is this on? I heard I heard a, a, a echo there. I don't know what that was about, but anyway, uh, uh, check out uh, uh, Delivery TV. Links in the show notes, or at least there will be. Now, uh, uh, Luis is going to be. Uh, our guest uh, co-host a week from tonight. And again, he hasn't been on the show. And, but actually he was back uh November, I think, or October, but yeah, so he'll be 
sitting in with me and Hannibal next uh, Wednesday night. Or awesome. sorry, next Monday night. Anyway, uh, we got some of our, what I call like the feature stories. So this is from CNBC. Ex-Amazon engineers roll out their smart shopping carts in Albertson stores. And this is um, just a video. So I'm just going to play this real quick. And we handled and I talked about this a few times last year of like how Instacart is working on these smart carts where it's kind of like that the Amazon Go store where you um, the, the shopping cart knows exactly what you bought. So like you just swipe it as you buy it and then you don't have to actually check out. Hmm. I thought there was sound on this, but there's not. Hmm. And uh, the article said these shopping carts cost between five and $10,000 a cart. What did they do again? It's a smart shopping cart, so you don't have to go through the cashier. You just yeah. swipe. You just you're scan. Your and, yeah. So you just I put don't in the cart and then it's, it knows what the price is and just do Yeah. So, yeah, and they mentioned Instacart acquired uh, Caper AI, which we talked about last year, which is uh you know probably the future of Instacart where I mean I think that would be great where especially for the in-store shoppers um like you know like what I do and like you know AFID cart and gig tetris dude you know people like us that actually go out and do all the shopping um if we could be able to skip the line and we would have this smart cart that knew exactly how much everything costs I would be curious to see like how it works with produce where like you have you know something you buy like that goes by weight, and also you still have to bag the stuff up, you know, to get out to the car. So, so I have to make more bag stations. It's interesting. I see a little thing on the back of it. it. Looks like maybe you would. It's almost like that that touchpad you have at point of sale, where maybe you can hit mm -hmm. the produce type, put it in there, and it just knows the difference in weight automatically calculates it. Yeah, I'm not sure how it works, but I mean it's. Whenever the these Jetson type technology is actually the where the the rubber is actually starting to meet the road, I thought I thought that's really interesting. And in fact, if you think that's so, we, again another two for one here, so, something very similar. You know, and we've been mentioning this a lot in the last few weeks. Um, this is from SupplyChainBrain.com. Amazon may be proof that delivery drones aren't practical. So I mean, we talked about dr drone delivery the last few weeks. In this article, and I also mentioned that Wendover uh, Productions YouTube video. So check out this article. But it, I mean, it just gives a quick overview on why the um, drone delivery ha really hasn't taken off. So uh, I'm just going to read some of the bullet points here. Just weeks after Google Wing launched drone deliveries in, in Texas, Alphabet Inc. CEO Sundar Pichal revealed on an earnings call that the company tripled its drone deliveries in the first quarter of 2022, completing more than 50,000 commercial deliveries. Um, which I don't know what Google is delivering. One might think Amazon, with the sprawling <laughs> investments in logistics technology, is a core competitor. Instead, the e-commerce giant's drone program has support, has reportedly suffered from nearly a decade of crashes, management turnover, unrealistic timelines, and a raft of engineering challenges that have proven remarkably intractable. Considering that Amazon spends more on R&D than any other company in the world, $43 billion in 2022 alone, or 11% of sales. Self-driving semis are racing through the Arizona desert. Shout out to John. <laughs> and driverless taxis have taken to the streets of San Francisco, but drones bearing your diner or prescription have yet to uh, take to the skies over any major city or even suburb. Why is that? 
So there's a couple of reasons. Physics is an obvious culprit. Drones use electricity. Electricity is stored in batteries, which are very heavy. The more weight you need to lift, the more batteries you need, which adds weight. In other words, it's a vicious cycle. Another issue is where to land. While delivery drivers have addresses, drones have GPS coordinates that hopefully lead them to a suitable landing space. In between, the drone must avoid birds, power lines, wind, other drones, anything that's happened to fall on the landing pad before, and assumedly pranksters. Uh, they mentioned the weather. Uh, finally, there's regulatory challenge. Regulators are well aware that accidents happen, especially with new technologies. No one wants to be blamed for the for the first drone fatality. And it goes on from there. So yeah, I recommend everybody uh, check out this article. Also that Wendover Productions video that I mentioned. So like, you know, why hasn't drone delivery taken off? Well, because we're still not at that Jetsons level of technology yet. You know, not yet. Not we're yet. working there. Yeah. I think it'll happen in our lifetimes, but it's still at yeah. least a generation or two out. Even with those smart cards, they're what five, ten thousand dollars too expensive. Yeah. Um, they we we have a really influx of crime. So you couldn't take these smart carts and take them into the hood right now. So it'll be a little cheaper. Hopefully we can get some of this crime kind of curved out right now because people are in some places just going into the Dwayne Reed or writing, just smashing and grabbing. So like the, the idea makes sense. I'm sure this is probably something that will be going into a wealthier neighborhood, a place that they could do this without having that much static. Uh, is it available for all of us soon? Uh, I don't think so. It's still expensive, five to ten thousand dollars per cart. I mean, carts yeah. are usually in the grocery store. You guys know the grocery stores I go to sometimes. Yeah, right. Like Walmart. Like <laughs> how many carts in the Walmart? Like, I'd be curious. What's the black market value of a smart shopping cart, though? I don't. I don't think <laughs> the homeless have any. I mean, have any use for it. I mean, the idea of scanning, it, there's no holes in it. It, it looks like it'd be properly, like a, yeah. And you just throw everything in there and just walk out. I mean, you know how it comes coming easy. Just pull it open and grab all the copper wire out of it. I mean, if anything, it's worth more. I don't know. I mean, but the, the one thing I did take away from the article I didn't realize existed was self-driving semi-trucks. Like, I don't really like driving by self-driving cars in general. So yeah. imagine a semi-truck where you're on the highway. You don't see anybody <laughs> hitting the passengers. Or you, see, or you don't see anybody in the driver's seat. All you see is people in the passenger seat. Right? The Simpsons predicted that. definitely don't want to be the that. first one in an accident of those. That was another one of those. Remember, there was a Simpsons episode where Homer became a trucker, and then they realized they had self-driving trucks. But that was from like 1999 or something. Remember that? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, let's all right. Let's move on. We got one more serious news, another feature story. So I thought this was really interesting from the St. Louis Post Dispatch. Shout out to Pedro and uh, Dasher Shannon. Fighting to find nurses Mercy, which is a hospital in St. Louis, in St. Louis, experiments with Uber's gig worker model. And this is a really long article. So again, I am just going to read the bullet points or the highlights here. Chesterfield, for a 150-year-old St. Louis hospital system, the answer to staffing shortages may be a labor model popularized by Silicon Valley startups. Since late last year, Chesterfield-based Mercy has been piloting a program in Springfield where both staff nurses and gig worker nurses can sign up for shifts through an app. Now the health system is expanding in uh, across all of Mercy. The pandemic has compounded staffing shortages in healthcare. In the past two years, hospitals have increasingly relied on sh short-term contractors known as travel nurses. Many staff travel uh, nurses left their permanent positions at hospitals for the traveling jobs in favor of more, play and more pay and flexibility. 
John, you were right about, you know, this should be an interesting show after this beer. <laughs> uh, but the shift in the industry had also left hospitals really that they couldn't pay the travel wages forever. And nurses beginning to realize they could have much more control over when and how much they work. Uh, the Mercy program is not the first short-term staffing program adopted by area hospitals. In 2022, SSM Health started using CareRev, a platform that allows pre-qualified healthcare workers to pick up shifts. SSM now has over 600 workers on the platform. Most of them have separate full-time jobs and pick up shifts at SSM when they can. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Hospitals have long complained of staffing shortages, but the situation grew increasingly dire during the pandemic. As healthcare workers took on more work, risk and trauma, often without much more pay, many left their staff positions to work as travel nurses, which paid as much as three times more, or they left hospitals altogether. Uh, those nurses fill out normal job applications, go through interviews, and are hired and receive an orientation. During the first couple of shifts, they're paired with an instructor. Full-time staff still get first dibs on open shifts two weeks ahead of time. Then one week out, Mercy opens up the remaining shifts to the gig workers. The gig workers must take uh, at least four hours in a 90-day period to stay in the program and can work up to 30 hours per week. And it, it goes on pretty long. But um, again, shout out to Steve Johnson at Rideshare Rodeo. He's been talking about the the rise of and like this is a really interesting synergy of the the gig worker 1099 um you know lifestyle I guess you could call it but integrating with the traditional corporate day to day you know um infrastructure and actually one of my ex girlfriends is a travel nurse and I hope she's watching my sister is a nurse. And I was, ho I was hoping she would tune into this, but she's probably in, in bed by now. But um, yeah, it's really interesting because I've seen so many articles, but it's like, because they're kind of like these feature stories where it's just these vague stories. It's not like about, I. this was a great example of where we could actually point to a specific place with a specific program. But um, there, I, I've seen articles where like even C-suite executives, you know, you know, any, you know, chief executive, blah, 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 you know, IT, you know, op, chief operations, HR operations. Um, there are even some companies are doing C-suite C, you know, executives on a 1099 basis. So they're basically like, um, like in college, they call them adjunct, you know, so like an adjunct CHRO or something like that. Um, or so like in hospitals, adjunct nurses. Um, and so we're seeing like everybody is, you know, like we were, we were ahead of the curve. We were like, we want that freedom and flexibility. And now the W2 world is starting to try to get a piece of our pie or at least emulate us. So um, I think in my own personal opinion, I think this is good news. I, I mean, does anyone see a downside here? I'm, I'm sure there is. I just not seeing it. I, I think it's so, I think it depends on which perspective you're looking at it from. I think from a, Worker perspective, definitely more opportunities. They're paying you for your skills. And typically when you're working on something where you're with a company where you're not getting benefits, you're on that 1099 or even on a contract, you're really more likely. You're going to get higher pay because I pay for benefits. So from a worker perspective, I think it definitely has some upside. Now on the other side of the coin, if you're a patient and you're getting a new nurse, you have a chronic condition and you're getting somebody every you know day different, you don't have that continuity there's I definitely can see some downside from a patient perspective. Um, overall, in the long run, I think it's going to be something that they're just going to have to do just because people aren't signing up for these professions as fast as they once did. So they don't have that skill set. 
they don't have that growing pool of skill sets to to pull from, and so they're kind of using that existing skill set. Kind of reminds me of those uh, videos Hamilton will put out with Insta work lately. Kind of reminds me of that. Kind of seems like a spinoff, but just in a different industry. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like a Insta work for more specialized um, methods of you know skill set. So like yeah, for the people who are joining these um, these these uh, this platform, great because I think. The higher you specialize your skill is, it, it's really helpful when you can pick and choose where you want to go and what you want to do. But yeah, I do I do kind of agree with uh, John in the aspect of if you are a patient that you don't really, you want to see the same people every day, especially if you have to stay a little longer. But I still think it's a better idea for all us uh, gig workers, regardless of what we do, to have that kind of flexibility there. So I still see it as a net positive rather than necessarily a negative or even, you know. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. And actually, um, you know, again, plugging my, you know, IT histories, my CompTIA certifications, my UCF cybersecurity diploma or whatever. Um, you know, I get calls from recruiters in the IT sector all the time. And they they tell me like, you can be a 1099 contractor with this company or with multiple companies you just work from project to project you know you know so you're not committed to you know and like you can work from home you know they, they try to sell me all, all that and i'm just like you know i think about it but um i'm happy doing what i'm doing so i'm gonna try to ride out the gig stuff i mean i like as much as it as lame as it sounds i actually like being out there in my car driving around, delivering packages, shopping for groceries. I like that better than, you know, sitting at a computer all day, even though I might be, you know, fighting some cybersecurity terrorists or whatever. But well, if they keep um, raising that price they're offering you, yeah. is there like a, a teeter-totter point where it's like, nah, I'm going to do yeah. that for a couple of weeks. A pay that's too good to turn down, yeah. yeah. Um, Enough where you can refuse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, we're going to take one more break and we will be right back meet joe he's a rideshare driver that drives for uber and lyft joe currently uses multiple phones to efficiently drive for uber and lyft but this can be a pain at times and very unsafe that was until joe found maximo the rideshare app that automates uber and lyft ride requests maximo will use the filters set by joe like time distance and passenger rating to determine which rides are best suited for joe when a ride request comes in joe doesn't need to worry Maximo will automatically accept the ride request that matches his filters and then turn off the app that isn't currently on a ride. Once Joe finishes the ride, Maximo will turn everything back on. This will allow Joe to focus more on his passengers and driving safe. All right, so yeah, check out uh, Maximo and Drivers Utility Helper. Link in the show notes. Uh, support Gary Middleton. I will say, like, so yeah, if you're doing DoorDash, Drivers Utility Helper is for you. Uh, GrubDash, well, not better. Uh, GrubHub and Uber Eats are on Maximo and Uber and Lyft. Uh, the only downside is they are only for Android at this time, but who knows what the future may bring. Anyway, we are getting into our. Well, I was going to say the fun stuff, but there's one. Um, our first story here, as far as the viral posts, is not particularly funny. 
Uh, I have not watched this. So uh, let me know if you guys can hear this. This is from uh, Hannibal's Neck of the Woods in New York. Caught on camera, Lyft driver attacked by passenger. Mm. Of course, there's no volume. Customer who he says started harassing him at first and then got violent. As News Force Miles Miller shows us, police are now working to track her down. Cameras rolling inside this Lyft vehicle as a passenger <laughs> attacks the driver. It happened on Parsons Boulevard two weeks ago, and he's speaking exclusively to News 4. I picked up this right two blocks away, and uh, then she wanted to make a stop. So at the stop, she got really violent. She started cursing me, and um, I ended up canceling the ride. She wouldn't leave. So I, while I was on the nine uh, on, on the phone getting help from 911, she tried to snatch my phone. When he tried to stop her, he was bitten. The bite mark growing in size over two weeks. Yeah. There's a little lump there. The swelling was quite a bit. And uh, I took painkillers for two weeks, and it's almost two weeks now. Nadim ran away from the irate passenger, abandoning the car. The woman calling her boyfriend to come help, but he realizes there's cameras inside and doesn't want to get involved. She jumps to the back of the car, admitting she wants to steal the car. I'm gonna drive the car right like that. You just let go. Before disconnecting the camera, Nadim says he's frightened to get behind the wheel. People are a lot more aggressive, and uh, their physical attacks, verbal attacks. Two weeks after the attack, I was told that the case has been closed. News 4 obtained this police report showing the case was closed and no canvas was conducted by the responding officers. NYPD has refused to pursue the case. He called police today for an update, and when News 4 got involved, detectives amended the report, reopening the case. Neither the TLC nor Lyft responded to News 4's request for comment, but we do know detectives have now been assigned to this case. It's been reopened, and they've met with the driver. At police headquarters, I'm Miles Miller. It, it took it took the shaming of a news organization for them to, to do their jobs. That is just so outrageous. Yeah. So the yeah, in New York City, um crime is continually getting worse and worse. There's a lot of mentally ill people out there, um, in stores and cabs and, and dealing with them, there it could be harmless but then some are very aggressive so even the idea of uh the uber prices are getting lift prices are getting so high that people may take the public transportation there's also a lot of people who are afraid of taking the subways taking the buses because of every day they're looking at a new a new story about someone flipping out and being violent or being abusive yelling screaming it's a really difficult uh situation when Right now, the mayor is trying to clean up all the mess that's happened over the last eight years. It's going to take a while, and the summertime is going to be very, very chaotic. So hopefully that person, um, the case gets open, obviously, and they arrest that woman who bit the dude. And yeah. I, don't, I, I didn't get that from the article. Did he go directly? He, so he didn't go to the doctor? He just took painkiller for two weeks? Um. Well, if he got a painkiller prescription, I would assume he went to the doctor. Hopefully. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, that's shitty that the police. I mean, because you would they have bothered, it's, man. they don't want to be bothered. They got too much going on. Um, many of them don't feel appreciated. They're like, why even bother? It's a it, it's a lot of craziness that's happening. 
like the difference between an Uber and Lyft ride versus a a cab on the street is like at least with Uber and Lyft, you have a name, a credit card number, and all that stuff. It's like how can they not track this person down? They got the and footage also, of exactly of yeah. the crumbs. You see her biting him. Like how the yeah. case is close. Yeah. yeah, I think that's crazy how deep that bite was because the guy had like a long sleeve hoodie on, and you yeah. can see like the teeth mark went through that, and almost punctured the skin. That was uh, yeah, Chris that, that was almost yeah. She had Uber eats him pretty much. I would have. I would if I was that driver. I would have called and harassed the the cops every single day. Yeah, because like, you feel the pain every day of your arm, and you're gonna say that it was closed. Like no. Not well, there's a couple of lessons from this story. First of all, this is why you should have a dash cam in your car, and, and especially if you're well, an interior facing dash cam if you do Uber and Lyft rideshare. Um, another lesson is there it, again, shout out to Steve. And actually, I think uh, Harry came up with rideshare guy. There's this new uh product called Display Ride, it's basically a free dash cam, it's a subscription service, and like it's a uh, it's constantly uploading to the cloud so that if the thief actually steals the dash cam it doesn't matter because all the footage is constantly being uploaded to the cloud and you pay like i think it's like 20 30 bucks a month um basically a data fee so like if an incident like this happens even if the thief steals the camera you can still get the uh the footage uh off the uh the display ride um yeah so check that out i know uh, both Harry and Steve have held had the uh, I can't remember the the gentleman's name, the creator of Display Ride, um, on their podcast. So check that out. But again, this is one of the reasons. I mean, this is I will say this is a fair, I, hopefully an uncommon, you know, pretty rare event. But if you're gonna have passengers in your car, yeah, I wonder if Uber guy Tony's watching because you know he he's done videos lately. Where he's like, here's why I do. I rather deliver people and not food. And I'm like, well, this is this is why I rather deliver food and not people. A burrito yeah. is not going to bite you. You bite a burrito. <laughs> Whole another show. Yeah. <laughs> Bri Brianna Peterson said that's exactly why I don't deliver people. Only groceries are allowed in my vehicle. Yeah. Um, it also depends what time of day you drive and what neighborhood. And um, also having like you know some a little bit of self defense and stuff like that. You know, like if that happened to me. You know, I would have reached out and grabbed my pepper spray. This this dude, I mean, in New York, I mean, you can't you're not allowed to have a gun, but you you are allowed to have pepper spray. I don't know why he couldn't pepper spray that lady. Yeah, I was thinking about that when he showed that clip in Arizona, the Wild West out here. Yeah, yeah that's a you're you're definitely risking somebody has a piece on them. <laughs> All right, that was that was like our only uh, creepy story. So let's let's move on to the fun stuff and another New York based story. Although, actually, I kind of read this part where it says the history of the McRib, but this is from Thrillist.com. This is the busiest day of the week for grocery deliveries in New York City. New data from grocery delivery service shows that many of us are getting our shopping done on the same day at around the same time. Uh, you know, I, oh, shit, I forgot to highlight. Sorry. Um, so I'm just going to have to find this. If you were to guess the busiest day for grocery deliveries in New York, New York a safe bet would be Super Bowl. Everything in the U.S. seems to be the busiest for the Super Bowl, but in the case of Grills customers, you lose. The busiest day of the last year was actually the Grammy Awards. Comparatively, in Italy and the Netherlands, the busiest grocery delivery days align with the national soccer matches. Here's some more data. You'll surely guarantee the most entertaining person at the next dinner party you attend. Upper West Side shoppers bought 100% more condoms than Upper East Side shoppers. Uh, mm -hmm. <coughs> Lower East Side shoppers order the most alcohol with that one in 10 sense. orders. 
the neighborhoods with the most coffee orders are downtown Brooklyn, followed by Bushwick, Bedside, Williamsburg, and the Upper West Side. All the gentrified, all the gentrified areas. Yes, that makes sense. New Yorkers are 111 percent more likely to have ice cream delivered to their homes compared to pizza. I'm surprised because they have year-round anytime. Do they have year-round ice cream in New York? I mean, in Florida we have year-round, but yeah, people order ice cream in January. I remember grabbing ice cream when I was, you know, really into the DoorDash game. Uh, often they would there's Hagen stores. There's yeah, you, you, people order ice cream all year around. You guys have cold stone out there too. Yeah. Let, yeah. let, let yeah, me yeah. finish this. There were 375 percent more orders for cat food deliveries in Queens compared to dog food. Brooklyn mm-hmm. shoppers tip an average of 20 percent more compared to other boroughs. Mm. The main takeaway from this information that we could all follow Brooklyn's example and become better tippers. There might be a greater greater selection from grocery stores if you don't shop on Sundays and Grammy watch parties are back. Oh, you know, I mean, the whole point, the whole crux of the article was that um, I think they said the busiest day of the week was, oh, here it is. The most common time customers have groceries delivered is 7 p.m. on Sundays. Hmm. That's not good. That's it must not be a, a New York thing. Time. It's it's actually around here. 7 p.m. on Sundays is usually pretty dead. But because when I ordered groceries, I try to get them early because I know when I used to do Instacart mm-hmm. around seven o'clock at night, I am running around the store because the the everything is missing. And mm-hmm. this is before kind of the you know the whole shortage thing, where I know many of the people who are working at this grocery store is not they ain't they're not stock stock you know stocking anything out right now. They they want to get the hell out. So if the, if, the, if the store is closing at eight, I'm there at seven trying to find, you know get this batch done. I'm usually stuck with really crappy uh, fruits or vegetables, and I have to kind of figure that out. So I'm wondering, yeah. like personally, I would not order my groceries that early. I mean, that late. No, no, I agree with you. I've been doing a lot of grocery delivery lately, and later on in the evening, it's, it's the worst. You go in there, and you're like eighty percent substitutions. The yeah, other thing that kind yeah. of stood out to me about that article, maybe this is just maybe this is representative of the places I deliver in. It talked about condom deliveries and sales being up 100. <laughs> percent And I'm thinking about the ratio that I deliver pregnancy test and Plan B pills versus condoms, and it's 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 very out of whack. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought it was cool though. They said Brooklyn is the best tipper, so you know and. That's why is it is it is it really is do your work like what's your market because I, when people say I got tip baited or this some cheap like I never had to deal with that I don't know and I guess maybe because based on I'm lucky to be in an area where they tip well and I don't have to worry about that type of thing so it really depends on your market. Mm-hmm. All right, let's. Uh, we only got a couple more stories. We can go to bed. <laughs> All right, so this is from Newsweek. Uh, Joe at uh, Driven Wild covered this, but this is my first time seeing it. Uh, Man shares greatest email from DoorDash giving $0 credit for order glitch. Again, the video here has nothing to do with what the article is actually about. A man has shared the greatest email he ever received from DoorDash as they seemingly offered him a $0 compensation over a botched order. So I'm trying to close this. There we go. Fino shared a screenshot to the communication on Twitter on Monday where it's since been like more than 631,000 times. Fino ordered from Shake Shack earlier this month with the delivery, which was fulfilled by DoorDash, went wrong. And then here's a screenshot of the tweet. We're sorry. Please enjoy $0 off your next order. 
Uh, we sincerely apologize due to blah, blah, blah. Uh, we will be issuing you $0 in DoorDash credits towards your next order in the hope that you give us another try. The subject of the email... Oh, John drop off. Uh, subject of email also highlighted the amount saying, we're sorry, please enjoy $0. The hilarious email, suspected to be a technical error, was met with hilarity. Uh, who cap yeah, So, I mean, basically, wow, they basically uh, say the same thing like 10 times over. Zero dollars in DoorDash credit. Zero dollars. It's the greatest email I've ever received. The company uh, eventually realized their mistake as the official DoorDash help Twitter account replied saying, we are very sorry about this. The glitch is worse than when Majora's mask would freeze. Wow, that's a deep cut there. Uh, we like to yeah, look into this. Who you... would know that? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happy that you guys do. But who would know, <laughs> would know that? So it looks like this dude, oh, he's getting 50% off your next order, up to five bucks. That's it. Wow. Jesus. Yeah, so check out uh, Driven Wild, uh, Joe, not your average show. Uh, he will be, He's he sat in on the last, I think, two uh, episodes of the gig news this morning, and he will be, as far as I know, he will be on Thursday morning show coming up. So check out Joe at uh, Driven Wild. He did a he did a whole video about this, which I'm sure was much funnier than than ours. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on. Now here's another twofer. This is from Mashed.com. There's two stories on the same page, so we can talk about them both. The Instacart faux pas: a TikToker is begging customers to stop making. We've all witnessed the explosion of food delivery services the last few years, according to Business Wire. These delivery services expanded 164% increase in 2022 uh, and sales have continued upward since. So um, I, I should have had this open, sorry. Here's how much you should be tipping your food delivery driver. Didn't we talk about this last year? Probably. I feel like we talk about this tipping what? in general pretty often. I thought there was a TikTok video here. I thought I the Instacart faux pas. So I don't know. I guess Dude, this that's is the video right there, but I don't know yeah. what the link is. All right, here we go. This is a this is a natural reaction. I haven't watched this yet. So we get some sound here. Play. Just some advice for you guys. If you live on a military base, do not order through Instacart. Because <laughs> how do you expect me to deliver it to you? Especially when you won't even meet me at the guest entrance. How do you think I'm allowed on base? I'm not. Okay, you're wasting both of our time. Just some <laughs> advice for you guys. Yeah, all right, so... Uh, let's see. If you live in a military, yeah, we we know that. Some people comment that drivers can sometimes get temporary passes. To which the TikToker responded, "In this case, they didn't let me." Others commented that when they worked for grocery delivery, they were canceling after realizing orders were for on a base, as it wasn't worth the hassle. Still, others said that deliveries to military bases frequently had them waiting in guest parking lots for hours, further really hours, further limiting their earnings. In any case, it's a lesson that anyone experiencing um, that's uh, anyone ordering from delivery services should fully think through. What their drivers will experience when trying to shop and deliver for them. Fast food hacks that will say, save you seriously money. Um, yeah, so I thought this was going to be a lot funnier than it was. Sorry. Um, all right, so let's do the last one here from the Daily Dot. This is always a good one. 
I don't know how this thing stopped at all. Mechanic said that his Lyft driver's car had no brakes. So <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but it passed inspection, no problem. <laughs> Man, do I have a good one for you. So I had to get an Uber from the airport back to my house, and I got in the vehicle, and the moment the driver stepped on the brakes, I knew something was wrong. The sound could only be described as a cast iron skillet with a thousand pounds of concrete in it being dragged across asphalt at about 40 miles per hour. I may be a mechanic, but you don't have to be a mechanic to understand that mm, something's really wrong with this vehicle. I get about halfway through the drive and I'm like, okay, I've, I've got to say something at this point. So I tell her, I'm like, hey, um, you know, if I may offer some advice as a mechanic, um, you really should go and get your brakes looked at really soon because something's not right about it. She asked me what's wrong with the brakes and I said, well, it doesn't really seem like you have any pad left, like the actual meat on the brakes that, that stops the, the vehicle. Yeah, and she says, well, this is a hybrid and I have regenerative brakes, so it couldn't be that. And me being very curious about what she thinks regenerative braking means, I asked her, oh, well, what is that? And I'm quoting here, I wrote it down because it was just too insane to not write down. It means my brakes automatically regenerate, like the stoppy stuff just comes back. I think it has a built-in reservoir or something. What? I explained to her that that is absolutely not what that means, and while regenerative braking can help reduce brake wear, they still need regular servicing. So I offer her as a mechanic, when we get back to my house, to let me just kind of poke around the wheels for 30 seconds and take a look at those brakes, give her a better idea of what's going on. And she agrees. So we get back to my house, and I'm looking around the caliper, trying to see what the what the brake pad wear is, and assuming it's pretty much on the backing plate anyway. Um, and then I couldn't find a brake pad. I look at the rotor, and there is a good, like, four millimeter deep groove in the middle of the rotor. Not from a brake pad, not from the backing plate, from the piston on the caliper itself. She had let her brakes wear down so far that she ran through the backing plate and was now on the piston. I don't know how this thing <laughs> at all. Mind you, the wear on brake rotors is measured in thousandth of an inch, not millimeters. Given that the rear of the car had drum brakes, I couldn't actually see the wear, but given the noise, I would imagine that the wear on the uh, rear drum brakes was the same as the uh, rotors and everything up front. Now, for her safety and mainly her passenger safety, I offered her to do her brakes right then and there in my driveway to take a couple hours. It's only going to charge 60 bucks for labor for all four wheels plus parts. She declines, which I understand. I'm just a random guy she picked up in her Uber and is offering to work on her car in my driveway. But I told her, I said, ma'am, you need to get these brakes taken care of immediately, like today, if possible, for your safety and the safety of your passengers. And she looks at me and just goes, eh, I don't think so. And then <laughs> I would report her. Yeah. Yeah, you got I would report that. I would have signed. I say, listen, there's a woman here who breaks her F. Like, follow for more because I got a lot of these stories. I wouldn't have just said, oh, all right. You. I had to get an Uber from the airport. I mean, that's people like that. The reason that people are now requiring these higher insurance companies. Yeah, I would immediately, as soon as she's, oh, you, you're not going to, okay. Well, you need to get deactivated or, or at least suspended for a bit until you can fix your yeah. situation. I'm just wondering how she passed expen ex um, and kind of an inspection. Well, not, do, not all states have yeah, not all states have like annual inspections. And, I mean, you have to get your car inspected when you first sign on with Uber or Lyft. But as far as I know, they don't have yearly or semi-yearly inspections. 
unless like your state requires it. I was saying like in New York, yeah, New York State, I have to get an inspection once a year. So I'm just wondering, but yeah, it may be yeah. somewhere different. But yeah, I would immediately report her. I, I mean, if she's I'll a, be carrying carrying it up. You can't be on the road. Go get your yeah. stop being cheap because look, you're cheap, and you also are, are you going to hurt yourself and hurt someone else because yeah, you and the dude offered money. to fix it for her for like at cost basically yeah like 60 bucks for a four-wheel brake job that's fantastic you know yeah and i mean if you're if you're an uber driver or a ride share driver they're gonna be going through those brake pads you can do a lot more mileage so they're going through them faster but it, yeah. it reminds me of that meme where that that dog sitting there in the flaming building it's like oh yeah it's okay. yeah this is all right like, <laughs> like what Special. you know speaking of which that reminded me i i should get my brakes checked too i'm like um you're like when you're like you're braking, you can kind of feel like a little pulsation in the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Like I'm starting to get that, so I got to call my mechanic. Actually, you know what I got to start doing is I'm gonna I'm gonna make a well maybe I'll make a video about this, but um, or somebody should make a video about this. It's like you should keep a log of like certain things in your car. Keep like a car maintenance history, like right on your phone, like yeah. especially things that um that need to be replenished like not not gas and oil changes like you know your car like your dashboard will tell you that but like a lot of people like you probably don't remember when's the last time you had your tires replaced last time you had your tires rotated last mm-hmm. time you had your brakes replaced um windshield wipers your cabin air filter your engine air filter um what other i'm trying to think like what other car parts are like consumables like that where you need to replenish them like um Fluids, brake yeah, fluids, brake power fluids. steering, transmission fluid. We got any car nerds out there watching? Let us know. <laughs> well, I, I guess know. that about wraps it up. We're we're going pretty long, keeping it under ninety minutes. Remember, I was like, we're gonna do the show twice a week, and it'll only be forty five minutes. <laughs> and we're still we're still going. That's, that's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, uh, I don't have anything planned until you know the next uh, episode on Thursday morning. But uh, you guys have any videos coming out that you want to plug? Uh, for me, I'm working on a video should be done later this week, talking about the recession a little bit in terms of the gig economy. So hopefully, I uh, get that done. Just resting up for the most part. Yeah. How you me, feeling? Oh, yeah, pretty yeah. good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. Sorry, John. Go ahead. No, no worries. Yeah, I just remember that you remember that you got a you were from the the vid the Rona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, for, for me this week, I got a video probably coming out either Wednesday, probably middle to later half of the week. Kind of like my response to these gas prices going up. It's because it's getting ridiculous, you know. Uh, I think everybody's feeling the pain, obviously. But yeah, just kind of talking about that. Won't give too much away. You just gotta wait and see. Gotcha. I want to see. I want to see a dash theory, and. Jacob Warren crossover because he's in Phoenix too. He is, he is. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, yeah, I've watched him. He's watching quite a bit of his content lately. He has some yeah. pretty good stuff. His everyday May has been has kept me glued. Yeah, him and his wife, like those are great ride alongs. I was like, see this. I don't usually like yeah, ride alongs, but these well, are good. Yeah. I love the husband and wife duos. Those are that that makes for good ride along videos, and like they're they're pretty funny too. You know, so check yeah. out Jacob Warren. Shout out to Long Island Dash Experience speaking of husband and wife duos. Yeah. Yeah. They were on uh on Steve Johnson's uh podcast a week or two ago. Yeah. All right. So all right, everybody out there, thanks for watching. Let me uh get the outro queued up. I will be back. Actually, there's 
I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm going to do an interview show tomorrow, so I might take a week off. Um, long story on that. But I will be back Thursday morning with Gig News this morning with Steve and Joe. So check that out. And I will see you real soon. All right? Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye.